Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, That was a weird game. That was a very frustrating game. So, uh, but I won't let it affect my mood too much. How about that? How about that? I'll just say whatever. And uh, let's talk about it, though. This mm-hmm. is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast about the New Jersey Devils 5-2 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so, Bruce, what's your good thing? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the uh, uh, the way Edmonton scored their two goals in this game by going hard to the Going hard to the net by having a uh, net front presence in both cases, actually, yes, the Pugliarvi uh, playing a central role in the net front position. Uh, and on one of them, he uh, he kind of roughly threw down Brendan Smith to the ice in a battle for positioning in the slot. And as he always worked the puck around, uh, Smith wound up uh tipping the shot past his own goal, the other goalie, the otherwise seemingly unbeatable Vitek Vanacek, who had a fantastic game in net for uh, New Jersey. Uh, but he was fooled on that shot. But the reason he was fooled was Edmonton was in close and pushing and shoving and making stuff happen around him. And so happened that that was one time in this game of not many that New Jersey got a bit of a bad bounce. And the second goal early in the third period to cut the deficit to three to two, uh, much of the same thing with uh, Pogliarvi in the in the low slot in front. And the shot from the point by, I believe, Cody Cece, who did not have a good game, uh, shooting and hitting, uh, uh, I think it got deflected on the way through and then it hit Pogliarvi's shin pad and it just bounced over to Nugent Hopkins. And he jammed it home. And again, that was the only way they beat Vitek Banachek tonight was by getting bounces around the crease. And the way they got bounces around the crease was by getting in, you know, into the greasy areas and uh, making stuff happen in there. And, you know, so hopefully lessons learned. Let's do it more than two times, eh, next game. But, uh, I mean, they, they did obviously try on other occasions where they had uh, uh, they had action in tight of the net. But this was not a game for beautiful pristine goals like they had last game that was my good thing for last game was how pretty the goals were these were pretty ugly goals and they uh but they count just the same and some nights you gotta you know you gotta take what's there tonight what was there the only thing that was there was um was traffic and and uh uh screening and uh basically getting in the goalie's face in his eyes as much as possible it's funny, Bruce, um, going to the net or going to the FN net, as Glenn G- Sealer used to call it. G-T-T-F-N. Our friend Murdoch Davis uses that term fairly often. So it it almost always is the best play, except tonight, Zach Hyman. Zach mm. Hyman goes to the net, stick on the ice. Get, go to the net with your stick on the ice, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And he goes to that with his stick on the ice, fundamentally sound, technically perfect, everything's good. And Ryan McLeod would have scored a goal. He mm-hmm. would have scored on that play, I think. I'm pretty sure. That would have gone under the defenseman's pad. 
he would have scored, but it, 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 it deflects off Hyman's stick. Um, and that was the last real moment the Oilers had a hope, I think, because it was 4-2 then. They just got scored mm-hmm. on. Really, um, mm-hmm. really downer cow of a goal against that fourth goal, like most of them this weren't game. Weren't they all? Weren't they all? And, um, and Hyman does everything he should do, does everything right, and it mm-hmm. stops the Oilers from scoring a goal most likely. I'm, I'm saying that's an 80% chance of going, and that's an 80% shot with a def- defenseman flinging himself across the net. Maybe he would have blocked it, but I think I, I don't think he would have without Hyman's uh, play. Anyway, Bruce, my uh, good thing is it, it was such a weird game, and the Oilers um, in some ways didn't seem in it, but they kept coming back. You know, they were down three mm-hmm. to one, and they got a goal early in the third. But overall, the you know by our count, the grade A shots were thirteen to eight for the Oilers, and with the subset of five alarm shots at nine to five for the Oilers. So by all rights, the Oilers should have had about four. They should have won this game four two, and um, that's not how it turned out. Obviously, the difference we're going to get to that in our bad things. But um, I don't know, Bruce. Uh, they, they executed what I thought. In the end, if you look at it, just in terms of process, um, and without kind of the couple catastrophic events that go, led to goals against during the game, um, their process was pretty good. They played a, they executed, I thought, a pretty boring road game in a lot of ways. They shut down the other team. I mean, New Jersey only had five five alarm shots in that whole game, and, and a couple of them, three of them, were caused by Skinner himself, with you know, two on the same play and and a turnover. So it's it's not like they there were some defensive breakdowns, but there are every game. And new, and the fact is, New New Jersey had more than the Oilers did. The Oilers had nine five alarm shots. They had, should have had by all rights three goals off of that, but the, their goalie was just a lot better than Skinner. Skinner has obviously been very very good this year, and. Uh, what goes up must come down with goaltending. That's the first law of NHL goaltending. And, uh, you know, he's going to have down games. Every goal he does. So that was um, that was the story of the game. But I, I liked the Oilers' effort, actually. I thought they played it. They played it. They hung in there. They kept fighting back. They limited uh, the, the most dangerous kind of chances for the opposition. So they weren't they, – they had a decent game. Your bad thing. Yeah, well, I'm going to riff right off of that and say it was a very bad night for the Edmonton goaltenders. And it was uh, primarily for Stu Skinner, who who had his first, uh, uh, I would say, undeniably wretched game of the season. Uh, Very very poor night for for Stu. And he's been good, you know. And and when we're doing these good things, bad things, we're always rating the specific performance in that game or Expounding on why we're why we're going wider than that. But this is specific to this game, uh, and he was beaten early on pretty much a no chancer on a after a dumb penalty by Clean Costin in the neutral zone, uh, uh, and yeah, then a, a brutal penalty kill where New Jersey just basically skated into the zone, set up their top scorer in the slot with nobody around him for a rocket one timer into the corner. Well. I got a bunch of guys I'm blaming before I'm blaming the goalie on that one. Agreed. But uh, Skinner made a couple saves after that. It was 1-1 after the first. Nevington was the better team, but it was only 1-1. <clears throat> and then in the second, early in, in the second, uh, Skinner uh, 
came out to uh, play the puck and it kind of got it under the blade of his stick and he whiffed the pass and uh, Nico Heischer pounced on it, banked it off the post and then Dawson Mercer, good Newfoundland boy, uh, potted home the rebound to make it two to one. And from then on until the end of the game, Skinner never made one save of no. I mean, we had literally uh, two grade A shots on that one, the post and then the, the goal. And then there was three more that Devils had in the entire rest of the game, and they all went in. And they were uh, <clears throat> the third one. There was a, you know, a good shot that probably would have scored no matter what. Uh, uh, but it was, and you'll talk about this goal in more detail, but I'll just talk about uh, what happened to Skinner as he reacted to the pass across the slot. He stumbled and fell, and the shot beat him. And it might well have beaten him anyway. I mean, we called it a great A shot, so we didn't assign any blame there. But, I mean, when your goalie falls down, his chances of making the save are reduced. Greatly reduced. And, uh, and then and the then, uh, then in the 4-2 goal, uh, <clears throat> after the orders had just made the score close, uh, there was just a, there was a shot from outside and hit him in the chest pad, and the rebound just popped up in the air and right out into the slot where... Uh, uh, the um, Thomas Tatar was able to make a pretty nifty, even deft play to handle the rebound and bang it out of midair and in. But the fact remained, that was a poor rebound. Uh, and that was really it for the Oilers' uh, chances. The 5-2 goal, you can criticize or not criticize. I mean, Sharon Golich put it right in the top corner and there was, you know, there was other issues on that play. Uh, but the fact was, in this game, the Oilers did not get uh, many uh, big saves, and I would say no big saves at all in the last two periods when the game was decided on a night where the other team's goalie was outstanding and deservedly the first star in the game, and they were poles apart. And I would say in this game, the number one reason that New Jersey won and Edmonton lost was goaltending. And when I talk about Edmonton goaltenders having a bad night, poor Jack Campbell, who you and I agreed should have been in the game at 3-1, to one, uh, and maybe given a chance to, you know, go in a no-pressure situation where your team is trailing and, you know, the the, the uh, uh, outcome is not on your shoulders, but you have a chance to, you know, sort of go in and make an impression. Anyway, they left him on the bench, and wouldn't you know, standing on the bench doing nothing, uh, he took a puck in the face uh, off a, a really weird play. It was flicked up the boards, and Dougie Hamilton just whacked it out of the air, and he drilled Campbell right in the face. And he went off bleeding down the tunnel and he never came back. And they had, they had to dress a knee bug in the third period because Campbell was was off to, uh, uh, I'm not sure, the clinic, the hospital, where, but they, they just said emergency. But uh, it did not look good. And I mean, this could be, uh, you know, broken bone or something in his face. Who the hell knows? Well, it's not his eye. <clears throat> yeah, well, that was my first concern. They, somebody said nose. Anyway, oh. he was, he was uh, I thought, I thought right under the eye, you know, in the orbital bone or something. But anyway, he uh, reminded me of that time uh, poor Tyler Buns was playing for the in the uh, Western Hockey League. And he was so good that he made the, uh, the WHL select team to play against the Russians in that. Remember, they used to play that six-game series, two against each league in uh, Quebec, Ontario, and Western League. And the first yeah. game, Buns was backing up, and he was on the bench, and he got drilled by some clearing shot and he got concussed and it really messed him up. I mean, it had a detrimental effect on his career, I would have to think. 
and he wound up not having to play. And at that point, I think they changed and made a rule that the backup goalie in amateur hockey has to wear a mask on the bench. Uh, but in the pros, you're not going to see that. And I mean, Campbell, obviously, if he'd been wearing a mask, that play would have been nothing. But he wasn't, and he got drilled with a puck in the face. Old-time hockey. So Campbell had a rough night, and Skinner had a rough night. And just at the point where you're thinking, well, this would be the obvious time to switch and put Campbell in next game, they might not have that option. Otters coach Jay Woodcroft had no update on goaltender Jack Campbell. All right. Yeah, that's, you know, strange things happen in hockey. It's a weird yeah. game. Uh, you know, there's the Taylor Hall got cut on the head uh, in a warm up and mm-hmm. um, Evander Kane sliced on the wrist. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Bruce, Very on that one. I still, can't, I still can't, we can't even say it. Dal Sakin's got his suit wet standing on the bench. I mean, all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff happens, right? Harvey the Hound got his tongue pulled out. <laughs> okay uh my bad thing um ah geez you know there was was a litany of on on the goals against there there well the orders were fairly solid defensively on the goals against there were some major breakdowns i should say and um just costin's penalty early in the game i agree with you bruce it was a bad penalty just skate hard you know don't Mm -hmm. grab the guy just or let him go let him go. Just go as fast as you can to get by him. Anyway, he takes the penalty. It's not a good penalty. And the owner's penalty kill was discombobulated. I mean, Derek Ryan got kind of turned around at the blue line as they're breaking in and never got back in the play. And Darnell Nurse, for some reason, is way back in the zone. Like, he's given up way too much gap in the slot. And it and it ends up with an easy pass into the middle of the ice for a wide-open shot right off the top because of these, you know, two very veteran players, but it's early in the game. Hockey's really hard, yeah. and um, they just made small mistakes, like, you know, a matter of a yard each, you know, or Ryan turning the wrong way, and Nurse being, you know, a yard or two off, just not quite, you know, into the game at that moment and really reading it well, and uh, reading the reading where the danger's going to come from correctly, and bam, it's in the net, a very excellent, um, well-executed play by the Devils. The, you know, you've already gone over Skinner's goal, which is just a flub, right? It's just like one of those things that happens. If it happens to a defenseman in the corner and he flubs it, it's just, a, you know, or a, wing, a forward in the slot. It's just a flub. It's no big deal. But when it's the goalie, it's a it's a big deal. And we've talked about this in the past, the psychological impact of that kind of goal against on a team. I and think, on the goalie himself. I and on the goalie, case. it's tremendous. It's 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 very, very, you know, it's not impossible, very difficult to come back from that kind of mistake in a game. Even though it's only two to one, mm-hmm. there's half the game to go, but you're just done on some level, I think. Um, maybe, maybe we saw that on the third goal. Because two veteran players who should know better, they don't come back hard. And it, be, and it develops into an odd man rush because of it. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, um, he's even with Damon Severson at the goal line in the offensive end of the uh, New Jersey Devils. Leon's been working hard on the attack. He's even with Severson, and Severson's the guy who skates up the ice and scores the goal. And where's Leon at that moment? He's on the bench because he decided to change off right then. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who was in the other corner, if he had put his pedal to the metal, if he had gotten on his horse, he might have been able to make that play. 
but he didn't. He was slow coming back. So there's two veteran players, and on the back check, they let their team down. The fourth goal, um, uh, Tyson Berry was kind of a lazy, just wait a second, just wait, no, no, no. Uh, the the fourth goal is uh, Skinner's rebound. The fourth goal is uh, Skinner's um, rebound. And then the fifth goal, Barry with the turnover, kind of lazy turnover. Oh, right. oh, actually, the fourth goal, no, I did want to mention Barry on it now that I'm, now I just thought of it. The fourth goal, he lets, he's got too much gap. He lets an outside shot on Skinner, but Skinner then gives up this big rebound. But Barry, instead of sticking with the man who takes the outside shot, he just, Barry peels off towards the corner, towards the, you watch it, to the, who knows where, instead of going to the net defensively, which is fundamental hockey, and taking your man to the net, he doesn't. And who goes, his man pops in the goal. That was, you know, Skinner was a a big culprit, but Dalton. Barry was every bit as bad on that goal. You know, Nurse also made a turnover at the offensive blue line. Again, those are bang-bang plays. They happen now and then even to the best players. So that's how you lose hockey games. It's, it happens fast. It's very painful. Um, and it's often very experienced players who can make a mistake. Um, and uh, sometimes they're big enough to get, that the whole team is just not going to recover. All right, Bruce. Let's move on to our numbers. What's your number? Yeah, I'm going to go with 16 out of 30. Uh, and that's the number of shots on goal by uh, the Oilers had 30 in the game. And of them, uh, Ryan Newton Hopkins had seven, Connor McDavid five, Leon Dreisaitl four. So those three guys uh, who played a shade over 60 minutes among the three of them. Uh, but of course, there's five guys on the ice at any one time. Anyway, those three guys outshot the entire rest of the Oilers team, who had 14 shots. Nobody else had more than two. Hyman had two. Bouchard and Nemo Linen, of all people, had two shots. Few guys had one. Few guys had none at all. And there just wasn't enough, um, uh, I, I think, offensive support uh, from. Uh, I mean, th- there was good plays made along the way. I mean, I mentioned Pugliarvi's uh, plays in the slot, but there wasn't just enough offense being created uh, down the lineup. And, and the uh, the third and fourth lines are not much of a threat. And uh, yeah. when your first line is being counted on to do, you know, your first two lines are being counted on to do all of the scoring, you know, a little bit of support from the D-man, from the third or fourth line, you know, there are nights you need to get goals from surprising sources. And tonight it was 16 out of 30. And oh, yeah, did I mention two out of two goals that were scored by uh, the big three pivots? And uh, so they were carrying the load. And I think you'll get to that in your number maybe. But it was uh, um, I just like to see a little. Uh, you're never going to have balanced scoring on a team that has two, you know, two guys pursuing the Art Ross Trophy. You're not going to get balance, but you do need to get support. Got to have it. Indeed. Um, I gave one really high mark this this game to Connor McDavid. I gave him an eight. Mm-hmm. He just had a great game. He was mm-hmm. flying out there. He, mm-hmm. he was making so many uh, tremendous plays throughout the game on the attack. He stopped up, uh, stopped one uh, nice play in the defensive slot with a good check. Um, there was one play in the first period. He gets the puck behind the net, and I and I counted it. 
he did 15 little crossovers, you know, those little <laughs> micro, almost I can't see them, they're happening so fast, crossovers. I think there was 15 of them as he wheeled into the slot and then he fired the puck on net and Jan Mark and Costin both had absolutely tremendous uh, shots. Right. Neither of them could score. But um, <clears throat> he came down the wing a number of times, three or four times, and got off hellacious shots on net. Um, he, he's he, he. So my number is eleven. In a game that the uh, the Edmonton Oilers had um, thirteen Grade A shots to again eight for New Jersey. Connor McDavid made a major contribution to eleven of them. Wow. Eleven of the thirteen. I, I was tempted to give him a nine, but he just mm-hmm. had one assist. Like the right. so, you know, the process was there, but the the um, results weren't the results weren't necessarily there. You know, one assist, he one more goal, and I would have given him a nine because the process was so fantastic in that game. He's looked super on um, the last little while um, as he's trying to lift this team. The Edmonton's been going win loss win loss win loss win loss. This is where mm-hmm. we are now in the loss. And he is, he's trying to lift this team up himself, and he could use some help at this point. And it's not just – it's 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 everyone else um, that needs to step up here and and go for it. So we'll see what happens, Bruce. It's um, – I think the Oilers, they're back in this position where without Evander Kane, um, they're going to have to really raise their defensive game in a, in a way that um, – and they, did, in some ways, they did it tonight. They didn't give up a lot, but they're going to need some goaltending, and they're going to have to raise their defensive game. And we'll see if they can do that, because um, it's going to be a struggle. Well, yeah. Well, they're now the trouble with win one, lose one. I mean, if you're losing the one that you're losing is in overtime, you're gain, you're gaining ground yeah. on the league. But the Oilers have lost nine games in regulation. And now through 19, their game, their record in regulation is nine wins, nine losses, and one regulation tie. And of course, they took the extra point in that game, but they're still, you know, off the pace uh, of, uh, you know, nine. Typically, a team that wins 41, half their games, they'll get about 10 extra points from uh, betting points over the course of the season. And the Oilers have none. So they're behind the pace and of, uh, despite the fact they've officially won 10 out of 19 games, so they're over 500, but they're off the pace of the 550 plus that you need to uh, qualify for the playoffs in, in the NHL, and they got to start putting some stuff together here. Got to, and it just seems to be one step forward, one back. It really does. It really does. It's a little bit. Uh, it's a little disheartening. That was that was a disheartening game. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there for tonight. Thanks for talking. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.